and welcome to another edition of Puck Talk. I'm your host, Spider Jack, from Penalty Box Radio. I am alone today. I am alone today. There is nobody in studio with me today as Ben Hatchett is out of town and Matt Puste is out coaching the baseball team right now. I am going out to miss practice because, folks, I will be back home in Tennessee this weekend calling some SEC hockey as the SEC HC will branch out this week or this weekend, and Arkansas will play Tennessee at 12 p.m. Georgia will play Georgia Tech. That's going to be a fantastic first game. Florida Atlantic and Old Miss and South Carolina and Auburn will face off on Friday and Saturday. And Saturday we will have the next couple of games. But, folks, that is a tournament that you are not going to want to miss. And if you want to tune in on Penalty Box Radio, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated for all of us here at Penalty Box Radio. In local hockey news, the Indy Fuel will be having a game at home this uh, today, tonight at 7 p.m. So go out, support your local hockey teams. And right now, I'm going to run through the standings real quick because things just keep changing by the... It, it changes every week, folks. So in the Eastern Conference, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Columbus still holding it down in the Metropolitan Division. Boston, Tampa, Florida, and the Atlantic. The wild card... The New York Islanders have fallen back into the wild card spot, and the Flyers have fought their way back into it. In the Western Conference, St. Louis, Dallas, Colorado. Colorado starting to trail off a little bit. In the Pacific Division, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Vegas still hold a strong foothold in the Pacific Division. And in the wild card spot, you have Arizona, Calgary, Chicago, and Nashville, all within four points. So, folks, there is a lot of great hockey going on right now. And joining me on the show today is Boyd Farish, who's a Penalty Box Radio contributor, who recently joined. Boyd, welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning? Man, I am doing great, Jack. I'm uh, heavily caffeinated, ready to go, talking hockey. (laughs) Well, boy, we got a lot to talk about in terms of the Nashville Predators right now. So, Boyd. Uh, as you know, that Nashville Predators right now, they are only four points out of the top spot in the wild card. And given the way that this team has played, it's quite frankly a miracle that they are still in a position where they can win. So, boy, what has been your impression of the week? And, you know, what can we expect tonight? Well, you know, it, it obviously didn't get off to a great start uh, going back to last Saturday against Vegas, where really outside of Pecorine, the team just flat out didn't show up. Um, but they rebounded nicely against Winnipeg. UC Saros put forth a phenomenal performance, um, and the Predators got just enough done offensively and were able to pull it out. Um, obviously, Calgary's a tough team, um, but what's really interesting, I think, looking at these teams that both they're chasing and facing this week, uh, Calgary, um, Arizona, Chicago, almost none of them have great records at home, um, which is one of the chief complaints of the Predators right now as well. Um, almost every one of them are either at or below 500 at home. So there is some real opportunity with the Predators being a better road team this year to really make up some ground over the next few games um, and and take advantage of these teams that, that, that tend to struggle at home and uh, put some points on the board. 
Yeah, and you're absolutely correct. And then that they, the teams that the Predators are facing on the road, they don't have great home records. But just looking at this la- these last couple of games, first of all, they somehow beat the Washington Capitals, the best team in hockey right now. Um, they somehow beat the Washington Capitals in the uh, in the best team in the league right now, and then they beat the New Jersey Devils in very, in a shootout, nonetheless. But that's okay. And then they just tank against the Golden Knights, and then, like you said, they rebound against Winnipeg two to one. So, I mean, we've seen this sort of heartbeat kind of a team, really up, then really down, then really up. Where do you think that the Predators can find consistency, not only in the way that they play, but in just results itself? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the course of the season, if the Predators had received even league average goaltending, they'd be solidly in a playoff spot right now. Um, so a, a positive trend over the last you know roughly 10 games is that the goaltending, especially from Pecorine, has been significantly better. Um, UC Soros certainly looking better over the last couple starts as well. Um, so if if that gets ironed out and then um, you know the offense sort of starts to come back around, you know we've seen some flashes where they can really put some goals up, but you know we've really seen them not be able to do much on certain nights either, um, which I, I think is still a lot to do with becoming more adjusted to Coach Hines's, uh playing style and strategy and scheme. Um, but what I do like there is that Coach Hines has sort of put the best players with the best players, um, tried to stack the top six, and kind of let them go to work. Um, I think that's a significant improvement over what we saw with Coach LaViolette. And if, you know, that can sort of continue to progress forward. Um, the opportunity is certainly there uh, for the Predators to make some hay in the West and put themselves back in a playoff position. Yeah, and you're absolutely correct in looking at the next the next five games, right? You're talking about teams that are on that are on the bubble. You have Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, the New York Islanders, and then a back-to-back with St. Louis. Now, given that the St. Louis Blues are the best team in the Central Division right now, and given the fact that they're playing also Vancouver, who is the best team in the Pacific Division, who needs to step up, and what needs to happen in these next two games in order to you know, get on track and build some confidence? Yeah, I mean, I- I think it's still really incumbent, um, really on two things. Um, the goaltending has to keep has to keep performing. Um, you know, they can't have another game where they give up three goals on eight shots. Um, because while this team has done better since coach since Coach Hines came in, around showing a little mental toughness and and being able to respond when things going on go, aren't going their way they certainly can't continue making a habit of that and uh, so certainly that starts on the back end with the goaltending just being steady they don't need a shutout every night but it can't be 
Again, three goals on eight shots. Uh, and then the offensive players have, have got to get it going. Um, probably the, the chief target right now of a lot of ire is uh, Victor Arvidsson, who just really hasn't been able to do much since he came back from injury, um, which would lend to questions of whether he's fully healthy or not. Um, but I also think the Predators haven't done a good job putting him in a position to succeed. Uh, you know, you go back over the last few years, especially in his season scoring, you know, hitting the uh, uh, 30 goal mark. How many times, you know, over the course of a week would he get a breakaway or a two on one? Uh, usually started from, you know, a long uh, stretch pass or flop pass out of the back end that springs him loose to go chase the puck down and be that, you know, level of dynamic that he's capable of being. And you're just really not seeing that right now, um, even attempting it. So whether that's just trying to be really cautious with the puck on the back end, which certainly understandable, the Predators have to put that threat out there and they have to make Victor Arvidsson a threat. Right now, he's a contributor, but he's not really a threat. So what they can do to get him going, kind of get his legs moving, make his, his speed and scoring ability a threat again, um, could really open up things for the rest of his line mates and the rest of the offense to be able to do more of what they do um, and, and really not have to work so hard to get their goals. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Folks, we're going to take a 15-second break, and I do mean 15 seconds. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. Hello, everyone. This is Chad Collins, player on the PGA Tour from Cloverdale, Indiana, and you're listening to 91.5 WGRE. Boy, Chad does sound enthused for this wonderful Thursday morning, this gloomy, gloomy Thursday morning. Welcome back to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. This is Puck Talk Live with Spider Jack, and on the call with me today is Boyd Farish. Boyd, we have been talking all things Preds, and you mentioned something about the top six. Now, I really, 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 really like the top six right now because it's putting a lot of players in positions where they can succeed. And looking at the top two lines with Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, Mikhail Glenland, and then the second line of Philip Forsberg, Kyle Turse, and Victor Arvidsson, which line do you think is going to have the most success in, say, the next seven games? Based on what we've seen recently, uh, really, Ryan Johansson's line has started to put it together. Um, obviously, Michael Granlund, and I'm not nearly as good at saying his name correctly as, as you are, so... <laughs> um, uh, shout out to Justin Bradford for uh, keeping us all attuned to that. Um, <laughs> But Greenland stepping forward, especially since uh, Coach Hines came in, you know, gives a different element to that line because he is such a skilled playmaker um, and does an excellent job, especially recently, of making his way to the front of the net. He's had some tips, some rebound opportunities, and that line as a whole does 
an excellent job in offensive zone puck possession where they're not just spinning the puck around the outside. They get the puck deep behind the net and then look to make plays back to the front of the net. And Matt Duchesne is truly one of the best I've seen at that, of being able to spin away from a defender but then turn right back into the net front and really push his way right into that high danger area and try to create a scoring chance. Yeah, absolutely. And looking at this last game, um, in terms of expected goals for the top line was that Johansson line, and they had a 67.24% expected goals with 10 minutes and 22 seconds on the ice at 5-on-5 five five with a Corsi 4 percentage of 66.67. So that line is working. And, you know, looking forward in... Uh, we always say looking forward because, as you well know, this National Predators team can win two and then drop the next three. So with the, with, with the way these Preds are playing right now, what is working and what is not? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what they're doing well, especially, um, they are starting to drive the middle of the ice offensively more, um, and that's been a, a, a huge point of concern um, under Coach, La, Coach Laviolette's system, which was more predicated on work the cycle around the outside, just get shot after shot after shot on net, win the shot battle, and you keep that up, eventually you'll find something that you can get in. And the the problem that the Predators faced is teams learned how to game plan for that, which was basically drop all of their defense back in front of the net, force long shots, and then clear the puck out. Um, the Predators are doing a much better job working the puck low, working it into the slot, and creating those kinds of opportunities as opposed to just blasting away from the blue line, which looks great when Shea Weber's doing it four years ago. <laughs> it's not as effective now, especially without someone like Ryan Ellis on the ice, who is probably one of the best shots on the team um, in terms of just shot power, being able to get it through. Um, and with him not on the ice, they really have to make a concerted effort to really drive the offense through the forwards. And I, I think that's been an improved bit of focus is to put the onus on the forwards to create the offense as opposed to just the defense, which really is Roman Yossi. Even though he's <laughs> playing this entire season on God mode. Um, you know, you, you can't count on him for all of that. Um, and I think what, what highlights that you know, where that's so successful and a, a stat I came across last night um, looking at a natural stat trick as one does during a Predators off night um, <laughs> the Predators have scored the most high danger goals in the league they've scored 80 high danger goals at 5 on 5 you're kidding the, the most in the league they have the highest high danger shooting percentage in the league at five on five, what is that? What, what is that? Um, what is that shooting percentage looking like right now? Because if it's within 24%. the ten, uh, what is it? 
24%. Okay, do you believe that that's sustainable? Because I'm not really sure if that's sustainable at the at, at the rate that they're going right now. It's a great it's it's great the fact that they're able to get to the high danger areas, and when they get to the high danger areas, they convert. Is that sustainable? So at 24 percent, probably not. At 20 percent, there's between 20 and 21 percent. There's another six teams. Shooting, you know, between twenty and twenty-one percent. Um, the the rest of the top ten in high danger shooting percentage is covers the, you know, around nineteen to twenty-one percent. So there are some quality players who can finish in that Predators top six. So even if they're not at twenty-four percent, which is yeah, crazy high. Even if they regress, it shouldn't be regressing down to 17 or 16 percent. But what I think is interesting is they've scored the most in the league. They're 21st in high danger chances. Wow. 21st. So, you know, at, at a certain point, you look at that and say, this is working well. We're not doing clearly enough of that. Let's do more of that. <laughs> so, um, I think it's it's like I said it, it's improved under Coach Hines. His his system is a much better fit for that. Um, I like the attitude that is attack more quickly and you know be more directed in the attack. Get to the front of the net. Get to those high danger areas, and you know even just at a, a baseline of hockey in general, get to the high danger areas. You have a better chance of scoring, but because the Predators have been so successful doing that, that really should only enhance the focus of we're doing this better than any other team in the league. Let's really enhance, you know, how we drive that net front and make our plays in that, in that area. Yeah. Yeah. And Boyd, I hope you don't mind. Just look at, just looking at just regular stats, right? Looking at middle-of-the-road production, I look from Callie Yarncroke to Austin Watson. Callie Yarncroke has 27 points. Austin Watson has 13 points. Names that I see in there are Rocco Grimaldi, Victor Arvidsson, Greg Smith, Kyle Turris, Mikel Glenlin, and Colton Sissons. Those guys have between 27 and 13 points. Objectively, Rocco Grimaldi is having one of the best season, the best season of his career, which is great. But still, by far the best season of his career. Yeah. But still, Rocco Grimaldi, on his best year, is Victor Arvidsson, Craig Smith, Mikhail Glenland, and Kyle Turris at their worst years. So, yeah. With the spiking of you know the the Benino Grimaldi Smith line and the decline of Arvidsson, Turris, and Glenland, and uh, and Smith. I'm just sort of wondering, is this just the weirdest year in terms of offense? Because you brought up that high-danger shooting percentage and, you know, creating the most high-danger chances, and yet, and yet, guys like Torres, Glenlin, Smith, and Arvidsson just aren't going, and yet guys like Grimaldi are. So, I mean, is this just a down year for some of the star players? Because that does happen from time to time. Or is Rocco Grimaldi projected to score 
around 45 points the new normal. <laughs> it would be an incredible story if it were. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's a couple of things. Is it a down year for a number of players? Absolutely. Um, particularly someone like Granlund, who is just, a, as it turns out, a terrible stylistic fit in <laughs> Laviolette system. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you look at what Laviolette system was, get, you know, move the puck around in the cycle, do a lot of forechecking, throw pucks at the net, and see if you can get tips and rebounds, which fits perfectly to the Smith, Benito, and Granlund, or Smith, Benito, and Grimaldi line, because um, that's exactly what they do. Grimaldi has become an excellent forechecker, um, you know, sort of a Victor Arvidsson light in his ability to, you know, make it down ice, pressure the puck, create a turnover, and get the puck to the front of the net. And Nick Benino is just on a heck of a heater <laughs> for <laughs> a guy who scored over 20 goals once in his career, um, you know, looks headed to, you know, new career highs all over the place. Um, yeah. And it, you know, and I, I don't want to be the person that just harps on Laviolette too much, but you can, we, we hear a puck tucker, <laughs> not, not fans of, uh, Peter I, Laviolette. Knowing knowing some of your other guests, I can imagine that, uh, <laughs> some of the criticism was fairly directed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think a, a lot of it was the constant line shuffling. Just there was no chemistry in the lines. Nobody knew where anybody was going. So you would see players even just try to pass the puck to each other. And they couldn't do it. They could not make a pass tape to tape because they just didn't know where their teammates were going to be. And so you would see passes just going into space or going into skates, and there was just no chemistry, no build, no momentum. And I think we're starting to see that come together under Coach Hines. And for every Predators fan out there just has to hope and pray that he just leaves those lines alone and just lets them go to work. Um, Granlund has certainly stepped forward. Uh, you know, Forsberg's, you know, knocking on the door of 20 goals, which is, is certainly a positive improvement. Um, you know, Ryan Johansson seems to be kind of putting it back together. Um, you know, Matt Duchesne isn't having a great season, but he's more or less on pace for his career averages. So not exactly what you want out of somebody you just signed for long term at a whole whole lot of money. But, you know, if, if he at least in his first year that's been a struggle across the board gets back to his career averages, you can reasonably say that moving forward, he has a chance to build into something more um but yeah it's it's been just kind of a strange year and you know the the hope that is in these last you know 30-ish games that the guys just sort of continue to figure it out and put it together and 
see what they can do. You know, think you know, it's kind of astounding that they're not out of it at this point. So, you know, taking that opportunity to try to try to drive it home down the stretch. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. And folks, we got to take a really quick break here. We're going to take about a 60-second break. When we come back, Boyd and I are going to talk Philip Forsberg, Mikhail Glenland, trade tar- trade deadline, are the Predators going to be buyers or sellers, potential uh, targets, you know, what the trade market's looking like overall. And lastly, we're going to discuss a little bit of stand-up comedy. So how about that? All right, folks, you're listening to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. What's more important than studying for hours on end? Making sure that you don't miss out on sleep. Getting enough sleep is an important part of staying focused and staying on top of your game. Your stress levels, physical health, and even emotional health are affected by your sleep patterns. Make sure that you're not cutting into a good night's sleep by staying up late. Call 765-658-4555 for the Wellness Center. WGRE is one of the top radio stations in the entire country and one of the best activities to do on campus. You could be a producer, work in newscasting, sports, even have your own radio show. And if you don't... And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. Maybe just a little bit too grand for a Thursday morning. Welcome back to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative puck talk, baby, with Boyd Farish and Spider Jack, as uh, as course, as always. Now, Boyd, we teased this about a minute ago. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> we teased this about a minute ago, but Philip Forsberg is, like you said, knocking on the door for 20 goals. Now... We have seen Philip Forsberg at his absolute best, and we have seen Philip Forsberg at his absolute worst. The problem with Philip Forsberg is that through each season, you have seen flashes of him being the best player on the ice and flashes of him being a very, very average NHL player, whether that be he's taken out of the lineup due to injury or suspension. Remember when he took that, I think, two-game suspension for that hit on Jimmy Vc two years ago, but he has yet to reach his maximum potential. And I just wanted to know your thoughts. What is the highest of highs for Philip Forsberg? What is the lowest of lows for Philip Forsberg, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, we'll start low and work our way up. Um, With his level of talent and just his physical capability... I mean, he can sleep his way to 20 goals a season. Yeah. Yes, he can. Best, yes, he can. At his best. And and we saw this um, the last the last couple of seasons before, you know, some injuries, that awful suspension. He's been on pace for 40 goals. And he can absolutely do it. 100% because he score 40, 40 plus, 45 goals. Because... When he goes into his just mode, he is an absolutely dominant presence on the ice because he's stronger than gets maybe he gets credit for. Um, you know, we we saw that in in the playoffs a couple of years ago against Colorado, where one of the Avalanche defensemen was leaning on him, and he just basically pushed him aside <laughs> and you know it, and then in that same series was the you know incredibly famous you know 
deep through the legs, spin Sam Gerard in the circle. You know, he ended up in Nebraska somewhere because he didn't know what was going on at all. <laughs> then Forsberg puts in and scores again, and you see you see plays like that and just think he can do anything on the ice that he wants to do. You know, he scores has scored goals between his legs. He did the lacrosse goal earlier this season. I mean, he just literally can do anything on the ice. And, you know, I think for the rest of this season, what you want to see is that kind of directed aggression, so to speak, um, of he gets the puck in the neutral zone and just decides, I'm going to go score a goal. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It, more it, so than any other player on the ice, Philip Forsberg is the guy that can do that and just say, I'm going to score a goal and nobody's going to stop me. Yes. 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 That's what I'm talking about, Boyd. Because I I have seen too many times this year where it's like Philip Forsberg takes a passive approach with the puck and doesn't try to do anything with it. And what you've just been saying has just been so correct. It's take control of the game. That's what you're there for. That's what you're getting paid to do. And Mm -hmm. a guy that's been doing that, that's not been Philip Forsberg, has been Mikel Glenland. Mikel Glenland has been taking control of the game every time he's stepped stepped foot on the ice. So... What was the what has been the difference between Mikel Glenland under Peter Laviolette and Mikel Glenland under John Hines? Um, I think a couple of things. Um, you know, and and I don't I don't pretend to know what's going on in his head, but making sort of some loose guesses, um, he's probably looking at a situation and saying, you know, please don't trade me. <laughs> I, I would really prefer not to get traded right now. Um, you know, I, I just got settled. Um, you know, even if, you know, he doesn't get re-signed in the offseason, you'd rather make that change in the offseason than in the middle of the season. So there's an element of we're about to make a playoff push. I don't I don't want to get traded and have to do that again. <laughs> um, but, you know, kind of more from an on-ice perspective, it's, kind of what I referenced to earlier about Coach Hines' style being let's direct the attack more quickly. Um, You know, when the puck moves up out of the defense, it gets to his stick. Instead of, let's just, you know, throw it around the boards and try to set the cycle up, which keeps him kind of standing still. You know, he gets the puck and has a chance to attack. And even though he's more, a little more of a playmaker than a shooter, he has such a good feel for the game that being being in motion and kind of creating plays on the move just fits for his game much better. And we've just started to see that. And as you know, as it is with almost any sport, I mean, you, you see it in something like basketball, where a guy who's in a slump, they say, you know drive to the basket, get fouled so that you can make some free throws just so you can see the ball go in the basket. It's kind of the same thing. You know, make a play, see the puck go into the back of the net, and you, I mean, my gosh, you saw it certainly at the end of that Winnipeg game, you know, the fire that was in his face after that game-winning goal went in, you could tell. like he, he's, he's here. He's in it. Um, so, obviously, that's a 
tremendously positive sign uh, for a team like Nashville that needs their top guys to step forward. Um, and seeing him starting to kind of drive more of the play, which is really what he's so good at, um, is a, a tremendously positive sign for this team. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, with the trade deadline coming up, right now it's make or break time for Nashville. Right now it's are we buyers or are we sellers? And Mikhail Glenlin, of course, is of very big interest to other teams when he's hot. But the same can be said now for guys like Nick Benino and Craig Smith, who are who still have value. And I wanted to set this up a little bit. Craig Smith has been has had a different center for the past three years. Two years ago, I believe. He was with Kelly Yarkroke until he was with Kyle Turris. After Kyle Turris, he was with Colton Sissons. And this year, he's with, you know, a whole... Everyone. Pl- pretty much everyone. That's right. But primarily Nick Benino. And mm-hmm. he's had a lot of streaky success, but it is streaky. And I'm just kind of wondering, is Craig Smith going to be traded to a team where he can play with a consistent center... Or do the Predators sort of look to a different route, try to sell Glenland, maybe get a defenseman or Benino, and try to get a couple of draft picks? Like, what is the strategy if the Predators are sellers? Because those three guys are very viable options. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if things take a turn kind of towards the negative, um, and, you know, over the next kind of week and a half, you know, we've got just under three weeks until the trade deadline. You know, if over sort of the next week and a half, so maybe through the back-to-back against St. Louis, um, the Predators find themselves kind of out of the picture. And, you know, that triggers David Poyle to say, all right, we're not we're not chasing it this year. Let's kind of reset a little bit. I, I think you hit it dead on. Smith... Grandland and Benino would be the kind of the three targets um, from other teams. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure Poyle will try to trade Turris again. Um, Grandland would be a a really, really, really significant add. I, you know, just you know, pure speculative sense of what what might what might work out. You know, you could see a team maybe like the Oilers um, who Ooh. are just desperate for wingers. Desperate for just, I mean, wingers with a heartbeat. <laughs> um, because outside of McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins to a lesser extent, and Zach Cassian, who has basically one job, skate <laughs> to the front of the net and put your stick on the ice and wait for either McDavid or Dreisaitl to hit it. Um, I mean, it's a dumpster fire on the wings. With the Oilers, don't forget about don't, don't forget about my boy James Neal. That's true. That's true. Neal Neal's had a good season, but and he was shooting such a high percentage early in the season, and that's that's hard to count on through the playoffs. Grossly unsustainable. Um, Grossly unsustainable. <laughs> I mean, again, if, if you could just skate to the net and put your stick on the ice and wait for McDavid <laughs> to hit it. And, you know, who knows? All bets are off. Um, 
but yeah, they could really, really use another functional winger who can, you know, really help to drive play. And then that at least gives them the option in the playoffs if they wanted to, to split up McDavid and Dreisaitl a little bit because basically what happens is McDavid and Dreisaitl score and the rest of the team gets shelled. (laughs) And where I think that becomes interesting, and obviously there's cap concerns to figure out because Edmonton is not in an awesome space from a salary cap perspective. Um, I think they've got... Yeah, they're they're projected at about two two ish million, so not enough to take on all of Greenland's contract. Um, but you know the one you know never endingly intriguing piece for the Edmonton Oilers is someone like you know Jesse Pulciarvi, who is having an excellent season in Europe, currently unsigned but property of the Oilers. You know, could that be a could that be a piece that works for an, an Oilers team that looks like they're in a playoff spot? Well, they're, they are currently in a playoff spot, but looks like they're going to make the playoffs. Pool GRV is not going to play for them. He's made that abundantly clear. Yeah. And, you know, if, if we project this forward from a selling perspective, the Predators are going to need top six wingers. If they move out Smith, they move out Granlund, you know, who knows what happens with Turris and Benino. They're, they're going to need high-end players who can fill in those roles. And the more opportunities you can give, you know, yourself as a team, if, if you're GM David Poyle, you know, you've got, you know, Tolvanen, who's looked better of late, um, has been on a bit of a heater himself the last couple weeks. Um, in... Juniors right now, you know, certainly, certainly Philip Tomasino, um, you know, looks like he might make a case for himself for next year. Um, also, Igor Afanasiev is having an excellent season in in, in juniors, um, and he's already got the, just the physical stature and you know the the skills to you know probably play in the NHL sooner rather than later. But are they really ready for that role? Pools the RV, you would assume, a little bit older, a little more matured, you know, maybe more ready to step into that role. Um, someone like Craig Smith, um, you know, probably the interesting thought that comes to mind, what about the New York Islanders? Oh. So in a playoff spot, um, you know, certainly the comfort level with uh, Coach Trotz. Um, would you know? You would assume would fit very well. Um, you know, they could use another middle six winger who can score. Um, you know, whether it's you know maybe there's a couple of draft picks that could come back, kind of in those mid rounds, second, third, fourth rounds. Um, you know, for for me coming up with with trade ideas, I always look at players over draft picks just because I find that more fun. Um, but <laughs> from a similar aspect, you know, the New York Islanders, have, the New York Islanders have uh, Joshua Hosang, who is again tremendously talented. He's clearly wore out his welcome in in New York. 
um, you know, it's, I guess it's three different coaches have now not put him in a regular NHL spot. Um, I'm sure some of that is on him. Some of that's probably on the coaches. <laughs> um, but tremendously, tremendously skilled. And, you know, what what could he bring to a Predators lineup um, that just needs more skill, especially if, you know, uh, David Poyle is looking at moving out some of these veteran pieces. Um, if you're looking at moving Nick Benino, you're probably, you know, if he stays hot, you know, he probably gets you a second round pick, maybe a, maybe a second and a third, a second and a fourth, um, which would not be a terrible haul at all for a third line center in his thirties. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, you, you sort of, you know, hope from a Predators fandom perspective it does not end up that way, but there's some opportunity then to, at the very least, bring in some real talent kind of right off, right off the jump to where if, if you're looking forward to next season, there's some real competition with some really talented players for those you know, second, third line roles. Yeah, well, you certainly hope that. And, uh, folks, we're going to take a 15-second break, and then Boyd and I are going to talk some stand-up comedy for the last 10 minutes. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. Hey, guys, this is Angelica, your program director, and you're listening to WGRE 91.5, your sound alternative. I really got to start screening these liners. Welcome back to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. Now, Boyd, we have talked all things Predators. We've talked Craig Smith, Mikhail Glenland, Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg. And I can just feel my brain and my mind just sort of just tensing up with above-the-head mustard, acidic, just, ugh, like, oh, these guys should be doing well. These guys shouldn't be doing well. I need to relax. And you know how I relax? I watch stand-up comedy. Now, Boyd, who is your favorite stand-up comedian and why? Because I know that you have a couple, but if you had to, like, nail one to the ground right now, who is it? Man, that's like asking to name your favorite movie or something. (laughs) Um, I'd say all-time if I look at kind of full scope of career, man, Chris Rock has been just nailing it for two decades, almost two decades. And, you know, I, his, some of his, his specials going back to, you know, the, the late nineties, early two thousands, um, were, you know, kind of part of what got me into comedy and just really, paying more attention to it, kind of learning about it a little bit. Um, and he's just, his his capability to make anything funny, and but also be, you know, pointed and thoughtful um, is truly special. Um, if I'm looking at probably current comedians um, or, you know, kind of the more, more active 
Um, I mean, you, you can't talk about stand-up comedy today without talking about uh, Dave Chappelle, um, who has just been, since he kind of came back from his little post-Chappelle show sabbatical, <laughs> has run off, you know, four or five Netflix specials in a row that have just been fire. Um, but then, uh, huge fan of Joe Rogan. I think he does just excellent, excellent work. Um, uh, Tom Segura has been one of, one of my favorites lately. Um, you did a nice job including him on the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, 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 promo tweet for this week. Bikes. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm entirely with you. I, I, I'm, I'm the type of person that I don't, I don't like to go to bed in silence cause I get inside my own head and that's never a good place to be. Right. Um, Insomnia so, is, is such a terrible condition. <laughs> and what I find with, with comedy in, in that instance is, you know, it's something you can kind of pay attention to, but at the end of the day, it's just somebody talking. So it will eventually put you to sleep. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's it's just, I would say stand-up comedy is something that's just kind of helped how I view the world and not to take it too seriously. Yeah. Um, that there's humor everywhere if you know how to look for it. Yeah. Um, so I, I've... I always find myself coming back to it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, places like Netflix have a ton of it. Um, and it, it's just kind of an essential part of life for me. In terms of like brilliant observations, because I mean, the majority of stand up comics are storytellers they just report mm -hmm. what happens in their life which i love guys like that i love john mulaney i love um i love bill burr i love uh mm -hmm. tom segura like you said but in terms of just brilliant astute observations i have always 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 appreciated uh george carlin and uh mm -hmm. and, and jerry seinfeld but in your opinion who is the best I guess not the best, the most brilliant of the stand-up comedians today. Boy, that's a that's a tough one. Most brilliant today. I mean, I'd I'd probably put it on Dave Chappelle um, because he really has done what probably nobody else has been able to do in terms of looking at really any topic and being able to find the funny. And that's not always easy to do. Um, you know, I, I think to one of his, one of his recent specials, I, it escapes me exactly which one, and I won't repeat the punchline because it is very much not fit for air. <laughs> this is public but, radio. This is public radio. Yeah, exactly. Very much, you know, not, not going to lay it out there, but the premise of it is, is he he tells the audience what the punchline is before he tells the joke. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he, you know, spins through this like childhood story. He makes it back to the punchline and he just sits there and goes, I told you, <laughs> I, I told you what it was. And he 
still didn't see it coming. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, certainly he doesn't shy away from from controversy, and he's, he's certainly found himself there as a number of stand-up comedians have um, in recent years, but being being unafraid to take on difficult topics and being able to kind of speak some truth to them while also finding the humor um, is is really something special that um, you don't find too many stand-up comedians being able to do either successfully or consistently. And uh, uh, Dave Chappelle does them both. Yeah, and, you know, the problem that most people have with comedians today is that they either told a joke that a particular audience member didn't like or a certain uh, group of people uh, didn't didn't like or that was offensive or that um, Mm -hmm. definitely was anti-PC. And my thoughts on comedy evolving in this 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 weird era where you where people feel like they can't say anything at all i think that it's a good thing for comedy in that it forces comedians to be more creative to tell jokes in a way that's not offensive you know it it really makes you think instead of you know quick hitting quick punch humor um the ricky gervais said it it entirely depends on the joke and i do agree with that but you know Mm -hmm. In terms of this whole political correctness movement, how do you see that evolving over the next couple of years in comedy? Because it has been a rough couple of years for comedy. Yeah, I, I think where that comes back to is intent. Um, and what I think people are, as, as they're trying to be more cognizant of the way that words the way that words and and language can impact other people um you know it you get these kind of course corrections to where okay words impact people don't use the words now right. it's okay now okay we've stopped using the words now we can start to lean back into why were we using the words what was being meant? What was the intent? What's the nuance in the conversation or in the joke? And I, I think at a really, really basic level, what it comes back to is, are you trying to be funny or are you trying to be mean? And mean-spirited, malignant in some way. And where you see comedians surviving are the ones that it is becoming clear or has become clear to wider and wider audiences of people that they are trying to be funny. They're not going out on stage attempting to be mean-spirited. And the more that that can kind of permeate society and kind of make its way back, um, I think you will find more comedians being a little more willing to take on challenging areas of life, challenging topics, um, and you'll see the ones that are historically just come out and try to be mean, um, you know, to 
elicit a cheap laugh or or pander to a cheap laugh, you see them fall off much quicker just because there's 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 not the thought behind it. The intent is I mean it's not less wholesome, but it's less positive. It's it's a true negative intent, not just I was trying to say something funny and maybe it struck you the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. And um Boyd, I got about one minute left before I got to play the news, but I'm going to ask you this, and I'm going to hope that you give me the correct answer. All right? I'm going to hope you give me the correct answer. No pressure. All right. Of John Mulaney's three specials, you have um, ra- the one at Radio City, you have New in mm-hmm. Town, and you have the Comeback Kid. Which of those specials was his best? Just and boy, now now you have thirty seconds. You have thirty seconds. So you you got you you got to tell me. You got it. Like this is this is prime time radio, baby. You got to tell me which which of those three specials. I, will, I won't I won't back off of it, and I will I will give you an answer be, uh, because of one single bit. Um, the comeback kid in Chicago is the best one. Solely for the story of him meeting Bill Clinton. <laughs> it is one of the funniest stories I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> well, folks, I, I don't know how I can end the show any better than that. Boyd, thank you so much for joining me today. And once I, I figure out what, once I figure out how to operate the boards again, I'll have you back on. That would be great. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> well, folks, that'll do it for me and Boyd here at Puck Talk on 91.5 WGRE. You are listening to Your Sound Alternative.